Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. Lynn Gillette is a master certified life coach who empowers people to move from surviving to thriving, no matter the circumstances, by helping them leverage the power of their mind. Drawing from her specialized training and her own life curveball experiences, Lynn utilizes compassion, strategies, and tools to provide the pathway for clients and audiences to step into their power and create the life they desire. Serving many years as a teacher and principal, and now as a life coach and impact speaker and presenter, Lynn lives out her deep belief that when we hold space for another and empower them to harness the energy of their mind and authenticity, we are creating an impactful and positive ripple effect that benefits families, communities, and the world. Lynn, welcome to the art of seeing clearly. I'm glad you're here. It's always fun to get to meet new people oh gosh, I'm so and, and see what amazing things that others have going on in their lives and how they're doing that to help others and leaders and business and work and all that kind of fun stuff. So Lynn, welcome. Welcome to the art of seeing clearly. And I can't wait for us to get to know you a little bit more and some of the amazing things that you've already done in our community, but where your new journey is taking you as well. So tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Have you always lived in South Dakota? Yep. Yep. I'm a Sioux Falls girl. Aw. And have lived here much of my life. Just for a little while, I was at the University of Wyoming. I saw that you went to Wyoming. Yep. So yeah. And then we came back to Sioux Falls, though. And my husband and I have two grown children. Okay. And my husband's a nurse here in Sioux Falls. And my four nieces, our four nieces, I should say, live with us. They lost their mom and their dad. My brother passed away in May of 2021. And then their mom passed away in May of 2022. Goodness. So we are on round two of raising your own round two. And that's a that's a beautiful way to look at, I'm sure, a lot of heartache through that whole situation. Did any of that make you decide to get out of it all did. out of teaching and, and administration and move into your own business? Well, no. it, it all did. So I was a principal here in Sioux Falls and had been a teacher and a principal for a number of years. And when my brother passed away in May of 2021, we moved the girls from North Carolina to Sioux Falls. Okay. So he was raising the four girls. At the time, they had just finished third grade, fifth grade, seventh grade, and ninth grade. Their mom was battling mental illness and addiction. So he was battling cancer. So they both had big battles. Big battles. Yeah. And so when he passed away, the girls moved to South Dakota with us. 
And year that they moved in with us, I continued to be a principal for that next school year. And then when their mom passed away in May of 2022, I just felt that I needed to step away from being a principal and return to the classroom and specifically as a reading specialist, because what that did is it allowed me to still teach and serve in the school system. I love our district, but I needed to find availability mentally, emotionally, physically to be very present for the girls. And that is not to say that if you're a school principal, you can't be present for your family. But I knew in my heart, these girls had had so much loss that I needed to show up for them in the best way possible. And so I accepted a job as a reading specialist. And during that time... Still within the school district? Yeah, still yes. within the district that I absolutely love. And But what happened was the summer that I was going to transition from being a principal to the reading specialist, I was in my office and I had a webinar playing as I was packing things up. Because normally as a principal, you spend time in the summer professional development, and especially that summer, because we had some pretty big initiatives coming to our district. What school were you principal? I was at Robert Frost okay. and Challenge Center. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful place. And so when I knew I was going to return to teaching, I, instead of going to the PD that I normally would be at, I was in my office packing up and also getting everything ready for the principal who was coming in so we could have a smooth transition. I absolutely love and adore her. So I was like, this has to be the best it absolutely can be as she comes into this position. So I was spending time in my office getting things ready. And I had heard about life coaching and there was a webinar. So I thought, well, I'm going to have that running in the background as I work on things and get things packed up. And I really was blown away by what I was learning on this webinar. And at the time, we were going through a lot of heavy things. And I used what I was learning in that webinar to self-coach and show up for myself. And what happened is I fell in love with it. So I, that summer... It was like love at first sight. It was. I was like, this is a perfect connection. And so I enrolled in a certification program for life coaching. Love that so much. I went on for the master certification and opened up my own business on the side while I was a reading specialist. And it just took off. And mm. so I actually retired from teaching in May of 2023. And now I'm doing this full time. And I wow. absolutely love it. Wow. What from your past made it just make sense and made that transition into, you know, coaching, consulting, like what were some of the tools you'd already learned from there that just kind of made that more of a natural transition for you? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's serving. And that is near and dear to my heart. I went into the teaching, serving the students. And then I went into principalship, serving the entire, my school community, my school mm -hmm. family, the teachers, the support staff, clerical, the students, the families. And so coaching really aligned with servant leadership. Definitely, because you are serving others. Mm -hmm. 
And being able to experience the empowerment through the self-coaching as we were going through a lot of really tough things really made me just even more passionate about empowering others. So let me give you an example. It, it didn't matter what title was behind my name, teacher, assistant principal, principal. I always had this voice in the back of my head that I was never good enough, that my self-worth was just never high enough. And I... I'm going to stop you for yeah. a minute because I think that's a big statement that it's, it's coming from somebody who is achieving professionally. You are a principal of a school. You've got a great family. You're moving this forward. And I feel like that's a not an uncommon way for no matter where you're at in life to still think that. Yeah. Like feeling I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. I haven't. Go ahead. Yeah. Continue on exactly. with that self-improvement. Yeah. And so but I think it's important for everybody to listen. It's like, we all think that way. How do we get over that? Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing that we do too is we compare and despair. We automatically think that everybody else has it going on. I would go to, I would go to principal meetings and I seriously, people would walk in and I'm like, yep, they got it going on. He's got it going on. She's got it going on. What so are you doing? You're, you're, I don't have it going on. So you've got that. That's another word that we use a lot, that imposter syndrome, but it's the same way of saying it just a little bit differently. They you think that all these people have it going on. And maybe we need to switch it when we're in this room. It's like, they don't have it going on. They probably don't have it going on. Yep. They look like they do, but I bet they don't. You know, how do you transform that to make yourself feel like, do they think that I know what I'm doing too? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Do we all not know what we're doing? Or do we just, do we all feel like we don't know what yeah, we're doing? We just are so hard on ourselves. <laughs> so the the thing is, we need to talk to ourselves like we would talk to someone that we care about. That is so key. So I would never say to a dear friend, you're such an idiot. I cannot believe you made that mistake. No, you should probably not do that. Talk to anyone like that. So why do we talk to ourselves like that? We need to change our inner dialogue. We need to change how we talk to ourselves. How did you change how you talk to yourself after going through your initial webinars, your initial you know, I guess, education, second education. Right. How so, did you change that voice for you? Well, it I can tell you exactly where I was, exactly what I was doing when it happened. So in May of 2021, there was a celebration of life for my brother in North Carolina. Then in June of 2022, there was a second celebration of life for him here in Sioux Falls. And... I knew going into this celebration of life, there was going to be someone there who had had a lot of power over my life for many, many years. And that, you know, I, I always say the authority voice that we heard growing up becomes our inner dialogue when we are grown up. And I knew this person was going to be there. And I was really intimidated by this person to the point where I could feel my heart racing, you know, and I get a little shaky, a little clean. But going through the webinar and realizing how valuable it is to see yourself 
valuable and to acknowledge and honor your true inner light, who you are to your core without anyone else's definition. Was and really without, yeah, and without needing that, without needing their view of who you are to exactly. give you worth. Yeah. And so I went into this celebration of life instead of holding that thought, oh my gosh, I am so nervous. I am so scared. I changed my thought to, I am love and light. That allowed me then to show up as my true authentic self. And it was an incredible experience. I got to honor my brother. I got to show up for our girls and be a source of strength and support for them. I was able to reconnect with family members that I hadn't seen for many, many years. And it was so beautiful and it was so empowering, but it was so validating. And that is when everything turned around for me. I started to step into my empowerment, my authenticity, and it allowed me to show up in a different energy in so many facets of my life that now more and more doors continue to open. It's just so beautiful to help other people now do that. And that is what ignited my passion for the life coaching. I thought if I can do this, and be a product of my product. What? This is amazing. Think of how I can help other people who are in the thick of it, but I come alongside them as their coach and help them to see what their mind is doing and telling them and come alongside them and help them see their blind spots mm-hmm. and help them find themselves in their empowerment. And it is, I, I thought nothing would ever be as great as teaching you know, those students. But I tell you what, it is right there because it's still teaching and helping and empowering people. Yeah, And it's yeah. the most amazing thing. I could do it all day and all night. So what did you tell yourself this morning? Do you have a mantra in the morning or something that you, you speak to yourself as you're going into things? You know, I just tell myself to be true to who I am, true to my value, true to my core. Mm-hmm. Know what your values are. Know what how you envision your life to be and live into it. And I do not let fear dominate my decisions any longer. Did you used to live that way? Yes. Yeah, I would. And I would also hold it all in, like the fear and the anxiety. So, for example, when I was an instructional coach for the district, an assistant principal job came open at Patrick Henry Middle School. And for some reason, I felt this nudge to put my hat in the ring. And I thought, what is this all about? Am I really going to do this? And it was, and I, I kind of hem-hawed like, oh, I don't know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough. And I'm, yeah, so many other people yes. out there more qualified than me. Exactly. And so at that time, though, we had had a lot of loss in our family. And I remember being at my grandma's funeral And just thinking how fast this life on earth goes. It is so fast. And I was driving home and I remember exactly where I was turning onto my street. And I thought, I can't let fear make my decisions. And so I took action through the fear, applied for the job, interviewed and got the job. 
And there was a piece of me that was hoping I wouldn't get the job because then you can chalk it up to a circumstance, right? Well, I didn't get the job. And so, you know, inside then I'm like, so I can't fail in front of everyone. So I didn't get the job. But then they called and said, we'd, we'd love for you to be the assistant principal. And so I really had a lot of, it's like a pressure cooker when you let anxiety and fear build up inside of you and you don't acknowledge it. And so the night before I was to go to Patrick Henry as the assistant principal, I was in bed sleeping and I woke up to use the bathroom as many of us do in the middle of the night. And I heard this awful sound and I realized it was coming from me. And wow. I was having a panic attack. Wow. I had never had one, didn't even know what was happening. And my husband flew out of bed, came around and put his hands on my shoulders and said, you are okay. Breathe in through your nose because I was breathing in, but I couldn't exhale. And it was all coming in through my mouth. And it was just this awful sound. So a question about this. So you just said that you had, you know, you acted through your fear to apply mm -hmm. and get it. And yet you're still not that, you, I mean, I think anybody would have, you know, some anxiousness, but that's a lot of built up anxiety. Is. Because here's what happens. What we resist will persist. And so yeah, that's for so many things, isn't yes. it? I think of whether you're, you're not having that conversation, you're not following your true self, you're not doing something, it's always going to be coming back right. to you until you try to resolve it. Right. So what we resist will persist. And what it does then is because everything is energy, everything is energy, what's persisting then gets stronger. And it starts to attract more of what you are resisting. So it is a pressure cooker building up inside of you. So because I wasn't, I wasn't bringing awareness to it. I wasn't acknowledging it and I wasn't adapting. It was building up and it finally, it had to come out somehow. And it came out when I was most vulnerable in my sleep, when all defenses are down. And then when I woke up, and went to use the restroom. And did you go in the next day? I did. I showed up and my husband said, what is going on? And I said, I am scared to death. I am afraid of failing. I am afraid of just making serious mistakes. And so it helped just to talk through that and release that and get that out. And since then, I have learned some amazing strategies and tools to so, adapt. You know, take it from me. If you're talking with another professional, whether that's a leader, business owner, I mean, anybody, like how would you be guiding them through that type of a situation at this point? Mm -hmm. So the first thing we want to do is we want to see what thought is your mind bringing forward? Because Circumstances happen. They, that That is called life. And those circumstances happen. Our mind will automatically have a thought about it. That's ingrained. It's just into it. It's like, yeah, it's just because of our past biases and viewpoints yeah. and life experiences. Exactly. Yep. Your brain will automatically have a thought about it. 80% of the time, it's a thought that does not serve you. And 90% of the time, our thoughts are on repeat. 
So we get quite this cycle going on in our mind where it's negative, repeat, negative, repeat. And so the first thing I do is the client and I figure out what is the thought that their mind is offering. And then we talk about what feeling is that generated? Because here's what happens. We have a circumstance. Our mind has a thought about the circumstance. When we have the thought, we release a chemical and it creates a feeling in our body. The feeling then drives our actions. The actions are what get us our results. We then have a thought about the results and this and this continues. Well, if we are going to allow our thought to be automatic, and we know it's 80% of the time not serving us, we have to create a new thought. You have to be aware that you're thinking that Bingo. way. Bingo. And that is called the intentional thought model, is I am intending my thoughts. And so what I would do is, first of all, we work through the unintentional model, what's happening in our body. So for me, it would have been a circumstance, new position, new leadership position. My thought was, I'm going to fail. The feeling that inside of me, if I could only pick one, and I always tell clients, just pick one main feeling. If you had a whole shelf of feelings, which one would you pull off that that thought's creating? And for me, it would have been fearful. And then the fearful drives my actions where I start self-negative talk. I'm in my head. I'm not taking care of myself. And then the result is I end up because Scott came out with this panic attack. Or some people might overeat. Some people might chew their fingernails. Some people might do something to try to self-sabotage all the things. See, I told you I wasn't worth it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So then what I would do with a client is I would say, okay, now we're going to build an intentional, intentional thought battle. And because we are very feeling beings, I often like to start with, how do you want to feel Mm -hmm. about this? How do we get there? Yeah. And so from there, it's how do we want to feel? Well, in my case, I I would have preferred to feel confident. Okay, so if I want to feel confident, what thought will I need to hold and believe? And let me say, choose to believe because it is a choice because we may not necessarily believe it. I I love that. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, no matter what you're doing in life, whether you are employed, you are an employer, you're a leader, you're part of the team, whatever it is, you're at home. It's like you get to choose how you're going to, you know, react, think. You're going to have the same circumstances, Joe. Let's say we're going to pick on Joe, whoever Joe is. You might have the same exact circumstance and you're going to end up, do I want to go? I would say, do you want to go right? Do I want to go left? Right. Like you have a choice to go right or left. Which way are you going to go? I'm always going to go this way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to always try to go to the path of, mm-hmm. you know, of improvement and positivity versus this way. Right. But Joe might decide because of his thought process, he's only going to go left and that's just going to get him back and see, I told you this is how it was going to go and self-fulfills. It does. And and also here's what happens with that is we will oftentimes take the path that doesn't serve us because it feels familiar. Yes. It doesn't mean it's least resistance mm-hmm. per se. Least resistance. Least challenge. Mm-hmm. Least effort. Yeah. In a way. Yes. Leads to more effort later on. Exactly. 
So the the mind likes wow. what feels familiar. Yes. And yes. the mind will, the mind is trying to protect you, right? So the mind and body don't, it doesn't, and I always say mind body because there's that strong connection there. They're so interrelated, but the mind would rather have you go with what's familiar because it's safe to the mind. Quote unquote. Right. Yes. And that's why when we think about women who are in abusive relationships, it takes an average of seven times of leaving that relationship permanently to stay gone permanently. And part of that is because it's familiar. When mm-hmm. something is unfamiliar, the mind sees that as scary. scary. And I want to keep you safe. So let's keep you where you're familiar. And so that's where the intentionality and the choosing is critically important and beneficial. Mm-hmm. And that is what allows you to make a change. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think these are just so, so valuable for, I mean, myself to continue to think this way. I love reading about these types of things. It is so much in your mind. Kind of going back to teaching for a moment, like, I mean, you're a principal at one of our schools. What did you love about education? What did you love and what did you derive as a, you know, becoming a leader through that process? Yeah. Well, what I loved most about teaching is seeing the light bulbs go off for the kids. That was one of the things. It's like the endorphin boost. for Yes. My endorphin boost is having somebody like, I love my vision. I'm so happy. I love my skin. I love this. Like, that's my endorphin boost. And you have different endorphin boosts making that that yes. change, that you're empowering them to see something yes. I never knew was there. Yes. And that's the key word, empower. And also, I was one of those kids that was super, super quiet in elementary school. And I know my friends are probably laughing right now. They're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> off. But I, I kind of blended in, was severely bullied in sixth grade. And that was actually... Back in the day, as they say, it was K-6 was, yes. you know, our elementary. Yes. So really just tried to just be a wallflower a lot of the time. And as a teacher, I was determined that my classroom was going to be a place that was so emotionally safe and loving and that we were a family here. And so I talked very openly with my students at the beginning of the year about how hey guys, we're going to see each other more and be together more than we are with many of our family members. So what do we want it to feel like in here? And they would help create those norms. So you were you were creating culture and values before culture and values were like the, the thing to talk about. Yes. You were creating that within your classroom based upon you're like, this is not what we're going to have happen. This is right. I get to I get to choose this and try to make this happen for my class. What did you teach? I you were a principal. Yeah, I taught fourth grade. Okay. And then I also taught fifth grade and middle school. Okay. Yeah. So I always thought I wanted the little ones. And then I did my student teaching in fourth grade and absolutely loved it. And I, I just have to say I really think kindergarten teachers deserve more pay. Yeah. I, I'm like, I think to myself going, no, I'm really glad I ended up in the interval. Oh. So, but then what happened was I was feeling that pull. The first time I felt the pull to leadership, I was a teacher. I was in my first three years of teaching and had a situation at school 
where I felt like leadership, I was just kind of, oh, I don't even know the word to say. I just remember saying to myself, gosh, if I were an administrator, I would have treated that person differently and better. And I kind of caught myself like, why am I even having that thought? Because I am not going to be an administrator. I'm not going to be principal. And then you fast forward and that little seed that had been planted many years before kept showing up. And it was out of, again, culture. I wanted to create a culture where not only students came and wanted to be at their in their classroom, but where staff want to be at this school. I want them to say, there's no other school I want to be at. And so... Is there anything strategically you did? Because that again, that's like running a business and trying to create that for your team, mm-hmm. whether you're a manager, an owner, et cetera, or a principal. Was, was there something that you feel like you did that was like, I mean, intentional yeah. that brought, helped to bring that about? Yes. The one thing I did that was incredibly valuable was I offered one-on-one visits or chats with each person of the school. And it didn't matter if you were an administrator, a teacher, if you were a custodian, an EA, it, it doesn't matter. We all play critically important roles in our communities. Mm-hmm. And so I set up, even before I started at the school, I set up blocked out days where I did one-to-one visits. And prior to the one-to-one visit, if they wanted to, they could fill out a questionnaire. So first I filled one out and shared it with them because again, as a leader, we need to be doing what we're asking our people to do. We need to be able to get right in there with them. And so I shared info about me and then I had them if they wanted to fill it out. And if they wanted to, they could sign up for a session. I wasn't going to force them or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But almost everybody, I think everybody signed up. And so what that allowed me to do, first of all, was we got to start building a rapport. People need to be seen and felt and heard as a person. And so that time was just so incredibly precious. And it really allowed to start a foundation of trust. And we're on the same page. We're on the same team. We're in this together. Mm -hmm. And then what I did is I took all of the information And I started looking for themes so that I knew when I started at that school, where does the rubber need to hit the road as far as me showing up for people and making an impact Mm -hmm. for them? And also knowing, looking for themes, what's going well? What are they so proud of about their school? Because those are things I need to nurture and I need to respect and I need to Mm -hmm. make sure that my decisions, my actions are supporting and nurturing that. So, yeah, that was a big game changer. I think that's that's beautiful. One thing that you have, you know, commented on several times, although not directly, have, has been that how much you've listened to your inner voice. So your inner voice can can always, you know, we can have it talk negatively to us. But there's also that thing about being aware of those little nudges. You've used that several times in in our talk. And I think that more people need to listen to their inner nudges. How do you know when your inner nudge is correct and when you just need to quick, you know, continue to shush it? Yeah. (laughs) I've always said, listen to your gut. If you feel it in your gut, 
but don't ignore it. I've said that to my nieces. I said that to my children growing up. If you're ever in a situation and your gut is telling you to remove yourself from that situation, do it immediately. Don't question it. I just, for me, it is this gut feeling. And then what you do is you trust it because what happens then is you'll- How do you know if you're being blinded by your own subconscious biases? Here's what happens. You don't know for sure at that moment, but you trust yourself and you take the next step, you take the action that you're being nudged for, and you will start to build this incredible bank of evidence of, oh my gosh, I listened to that and look what happened. Oh my gosh, I listened to that and look what happened. You have to take action when you feel the nudge Mm -hmm. and trust yourself. Because here's what happens. If you don't take the nudge, then you'd never know what could have happened. You never know. And so you have to listen to that and trust it. Whether it's, you call it a God nudge, you call it your gut feeling, you call it your higher self, whatever it is that you call it. Mm -hmm. Listen to it and take the next step with that nudge because you could be missing out on a whole life that you keep dreaming of and then it just keeps remaining a dream instead of becoming your reality. Because you chose not to take action on your nudge. Right. Because sometimes taking action means discomfort Mm -hmm. and it could mean a lot of work. Yep. 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 But all worth it. It could be so worth it. And then the more that you start listening to that, it does become easier because you, again, you'll start to see evidence of, wow, because I listened to that, because I listened to myself, because I trusted myself. Mm-hmm. I did it. And now look what's happening. These those are you, some of the best. If you were to look back at your life and say some of your best moments, I mean, although I can't be 100% sure, I'm going to bet they were where you listened to that nudge and took action. Right. Yeah. You listen to the nudge to take your four nieces yes. and, and have them share their lives with you and yep. you, you know, your life with them. That was a nudge. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And there are times when it is a lot and that is normal. And that's the thing too. I tell people, acknowledge your feelings. Don't press them down. Acknowledge. And so I often think of, for instance, you know, with my brother passing, I went through a period of immense guilt that I was getting to experience everything with his girls. I'm sitting here with most of my viewers, quote unquote, listeners are, they don't get to see it. I'm like, how could you think that? But yet it is what it is. Yep. So I think, you know, he should be Yes. Experiencing this. Um, it, it hit me again. I was helping our youngest get ready for her first dance recital and I was doing her hair. And I had kind of a wave of sadness come over me and I thought this should be her mom. This should be Annie doing this, not me. Yeah. And so that guilt sets in. However, I catch it now, right? And I say, okay, you know what? Both things can be true. Mm-hmm. I can miss my brother and enjoy these milestones with the girls. I can honor Annie's memory and still show up for the girls. Because what happens is if I stay stuck in that guilt, I don't show up 
up for them in the way that they need me. They deserve someone with energy and positivity and love and encouragement to step up for them and help create this beautiful life with them. And so I just acknowledge that, you know what? I can feel sad that I miss my brother. And I can also feel so happy and grateful that I get to be here for his girls. Both can be true. Yes, absolutely. And I think sometimes having lost my mom early, not as early as the girls, but having somebody validate that because they're probably also feeling that mm-hmm. too. Oh, yeah. And to, you know, to have somebody in their lives to help validate that. I wish your mom were here too. I wish your dad were here to be this, but you know, so just, it, it, it helps make the connection tighter. Yeah. It helps sure. bring what's gone to still what's going on in your heart. Exactly. So, so you have this thing about going to the grocery store, apparently, and your husband likes to tease you on that you have something written on your head of, please tell yeah. me your life story. Yeah. So you've always been somebody who you've, like, people have naturally felt drawn to visit with you, which I feel like goes into your life coaching and wanting to listen to people's stories and lead them when you were a principal. Like, you want this relationship connection with people. Why is it that, like, you have the sign? I actually think I see it. No, no, I, I don't. Please tell me your life story. What is that? What does that mean? I think, again, I go back to everything is energy and we are energy. And you can feel someone's energy. Think about a time where maybe you walked into a room and you were like, whoa, I think I'm going to steer clear of this person because that's, you're feeling the energy. Which happens even with, I'm going to say with patients, with mm-hmm. if you've got clients, if you've got um, employees or you've got staff or whatever it is, you feel those things. Mm-hmm. You yes. Know. And so I think the energy that I have is one that is, it's very approachable. Like I'm welcoming you in. And that goes all the way back to me being a teacher. I wanted all my kids to feel welcome and they belong here. And it goes back to being a principal. And it just, it's just, it's an energy. Mm-hmm. And I think people feel that. Mm-hmm. And so I think they feel safe to share. And I think it's like in the high beat grocery aisle, right? Yeah. They come up to you. Oh my gosh. It's mainly, you know, when it really happens is at the checkout. <laughs> It's at the checkout. I don't know what happens. And they just, I don't know, it's just a good energy feeling. And whenever someone shares with me, though, I have to tell you, I feel so humbled and honored because they shared a piece of themselves with me. They were vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I don't take that lately. That's Mm -hmm. like, it makes me feel so grateful that they felt that I held that space for them. That's what I do for my clients. Mm, that's great. I know something about your husband teases you on that all the time. Oh, yeah. Do you like stay at high V for hours? Is that how it why it teases you? Like, do you not come home for hours? What? What? You know how this like, I'm having so much fun. I'm going to go to Costco now, too, and see who I can run into. You know, I do. Well, it's funny because you know how it is like, he'll draw me off at the front. Like, I'm just going to quick go run in. I just seem to get quick go run in. He's like, huh. And then it's 20 minutes later, I come out and he's like, yep, your sign was on on your forehead. Wasn't it? Oh, that is, that is great. So I would say that you made this transformation to help improve, you know, your own inner self. You've now got six children. I think one got married. Is that correct? Yes. So you've got six kids, 
four girls that are now younger. How are you helping Lynn? How are you helping yourself kind of continue to see, you know, the world as clearly as you can for you? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the secret to that has been I turned my passion into my profession. Ah, oh, there you go, everybody. That's Turn it. your passion into your profession. Yeah. There was a there was a day I was on the weekend. I was kind of owly. I was kind of crabby in the morning. And I I said to Zane, my husband, oh, I said, I'm so kind of crabby. I cannot wait. I coach at 11 o'clock this morning. And I know I'm going to feel a lot better once I get to coach. And it really hit me. I said to him, who says I'm crabby, but I know once I get to work, I'm going to feel so much better. And it's it's about turning the passion into the profession. It's amazing. Do you have an example in your life of where you've seen that work for somebody else? I absolutely have so much respect for, his name is Steve Albrecht. He was the principal of Patrick Henry. I was the assistant. He was an incredible, and and he's retired. He is, we still, though, we're very close. We meet for coffee probably every two weeks. We text all the time. My whole family loves him. He and his wife are such a great example of what it means to love your family and to show up as wonderful parents and wonderful grandparents. But he was somebody who I really looked up to and learned so much from as far as that servant leadership. And I just have so much respect for him. And so it's great when you can find yourself a couple mentors who are very strong. And that mentoring piece is very important so that you're not going it alone. Mm-hmm. And I know right now, uh, Meriton Hankin has a big campaign going for the mentoring. Yes. And the mentoring mm-hmm. is very powerful. So yeah, I would say Steve Albrecht is just mm-hmm. near and dear to my heart and has mentored for me personally and professionally. And Yeah, adore him. We've talked about, I mean, so many amazing things today. And I think we should just, let's turn this water into wine in my glass. And we'll just get you some too. And we'll just kind of sit here and continue to talk for happy hour. Sounds good. Do you have a specific like client base that you're going more for? Do you have a, like, these are the clients that I want to bring in? Or are you open from a coaching standpoint for... Like whether you're CEOs, leaders, you're a a mom, like whoever, what type of coach are you wanting to be? So I, what do you want to attract? Yeah. Yes. Who do you want to attract? I am attracting people who want to take what they see in their mind as their best life and want that to be their real life. And so I have clients who are stay-at-home moms. I have compliance directors. I have hospital technicians. I have nurse practitioners. And the list goes on. It is all about helping people live the life that they see for themselves and to live 
in true enlightenment and love and joy. And those emotions are the emotions that are of the highest vibration. It's just amazing. You can feel it, can't you, when somebody's living to their, like you said, their their wave frequency, mm-hmm. their frequency that they're just thriving in. And then are you able to spot the people that, you know, are like, it looks like they're killing it, but they're not? Frequency and vibration-wise? Yeah. Are you able to pick up those kind of energies as well? I can pick up on energy. Or not unless you run into them in Hy-Vee. Like, maybe that's the only way you can do it. I, I'm not sure. There's something special about Hy-Vee. Yeah. But it's, you know, the thing about it is when people come to see me, they are, I think because they're in such a safe space, the veil just goes down. And... On the outside, I think others would see them as, oh, they got it going on. They have no doubts about themselves. They're happy. And in the safe space, that highly confidential place that we are, they're able to let the veil down and we can really have meaningful, purposeful sessions that allow them to create that life and to move forward in those positive, purposeful actions. Mm. And I get to witness the change in our energy. And I'm so humbled and honored by that. Think of the lives that you're going to get to be able to positively influence by listening, by empowering. I think that is is beauty. And that is a different form of art, if you would. It is your art. They are, you know, you're working with their minds and their souls and in order to try to create something that they didn't know was possible, but they want, and you're going to help create and make it possible, hopefully with them and through them right. and change, change our community and change them. More importantly, change them so they can change others. And that's the thing. When we ourselves work on us and we are in a great space, we show up differently for the people we love, the people we serve, whether it's at home or in the workplace. And then when that happens, then we start to, our community starts to benefit from that. It is a complete ripple effect. Once you change one thing, you change everything. And that can be for the good or the bad. Mm. So why not be for the good? Why not be for the good? Why not go to the right instead of the left? Yes. Yeah, why not? Even when it's hard. Yes. Lynn, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's been a pleasure to have you here, get to know a little bit more about you. And I think you are going to be an amazing strong presence for many people in our community and I would encourage anybody who wants to make some changes wants to start thinking living and finding their best selves to get in contact with you or someone similar to you because there are ways to move forward and to truly as you said it make that vision of what you have in your mind as your best life and make it reality yeah thank you Lynn so much thank you so much This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.